Okay. I want to do some thinking about the Valley of Dry Bones. And there's uh, two things to share about that. So if you'll just hold on a moment. Okay. When I was in Israel in the 1980s, I was staying in the home of a man named Warren Graham. Uh, his house was the headquarters for a Christian denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance on the Street of the Prophets in Jerusalem. And while I was there, I came across a book. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and that book, there was something written there that just completely blew me away. And I'm sharing that with you right now. It's, a, it's a, about the Valley of the Dry Bones. So I wanna share that. I wanna share one other thing as part of our considerations for today. We're dealing with a very vexing situation with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, some people are claiming, oh, it's easy, easy peasy. In two weeks, everything will be back to normal. Some others, authorities even, are saying, look, don't be so sure. We don't know uh, exactly how this is going to shake down. It's a time of uncertainty. But one thing the Valley of Dry Bones passage shows us is that nothing is impossible with God. In Ezekiel 13, he is speaking about the resurrection of the nature of Israel, which he likens to dry bones scattered among the nations. Because from the Bible's point of view, Israel belongs in the land. And when they're in the midst of pagan nations, they're in the midst of spiritual graves. And as you remember in that passage that was read for you today, God tells the prophet Ezekiel to speak to the bones and the bones come together with their sinews that he speaks to them with skin and then he's, but they're still without life. Then he says, speak to them again. And they stand up like a mighty army. Getting back to Warren Graham's house, I read across this book. It was little, uh, a little pamphlet that was written by Samuel Henry Kellogg. Samuel Henry Kellogg was a, a Presbyterian missionary to India who uh, unfortunately died in India uh, when he was riding his bicycle and he went off the side of a cliff. A great loss. He was a great Bible commentator. He wrote a commentary on Leviticus that is still um, very much respected. He also wrote this, thinking about the Valley of the Dry Bones. And uh, um, I'd like to read it with you. Just a moment, let's move it over so you can see it better. As a matter of fact, I'll move this out of the way. Goodbye, this is better. Okay. Elijah, are you there, Elijah? Would you, uh, Sean, would you uh, unmute Talia? Uh, hello. I'm going to ask Elijah to read. Now, Elijah, read, uh, read slowly for this, us old folks and read these paragraphs here. Oh, I don't see the paragraphs. You don't see the paragraphs. No, what we have there, um, Stuart, what you have there is something else. Your desk your desktop. Stop share. Okay, just a moment. That's a, that's a very interesting situation. Just a second. 
Just one that moment. Okay, hold on. Hmm. Oh, that's, let's see, that's fascinating. Let's try it one more time for you. It's very, now, you don't see uh, morsels, you don't see? Uh, no, we see, I see it now. Okay, okay, would you please read those paragraphs in the middle of your page, thank you. Okay, and uh, in 1883, writing years before the first Zionist Congress and a lifetime before the founding of the State of Israel, biblical Bible scholar, Samuel Henry Kellogg uh, looked at Yekezel, 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 Ezekiel 36 and uh, 37, and ventured a guess concerning the return of the Jews to the land. Here is what he said. In the prophecy of Ezekiel, we have in the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones and its interpretation, a very full account of the final restoration of Israel. According to the representations of that vision, the restoration is, uh, is to take place in successive and perfectly dis distinct stages. Thus, while the prophet saw that before the giving of life to the dry bones, which symbolized the house of Israel, before even the clothing of them with flesh and sinews and skin, there was a first of all, a noise and a shaking, a bone came to bone, each bone to his fellow, that is, he saw in the first place a preliminary organization, the necessary antecedent to, the, uh, to all that followed. If this feature of the vision mean anything, it would seem that it can uh, mean nothing else than this, that a tendency to external organization in the scattered nation was to be looked for, antecedent and preparatory uh, to their actual reen. Uh, reinstatement in their land and their conversation in God by the power oh, their conversion their conversion oh yeah uh, sorry and the conversion to God by the power of the spirit of life something of this kind therefore according to the prophet was to be expected as one of the initial stages of the restoration process Samuel Henry, Henry uh, Kellogg the Jews are the prediction and fulfillment uh, fulfillment and argument for the times okay and read the next line read the next line uh, these facts are that the founding of the modern state followed precisely to the pattern Kellogg discerned in the prophecies of Ezekiel. Uh, no, that's real. That's remarkable. He was writing, remember, 1883. The uh, the Zionist Congress was not until the early, the first decade of the 20th century. He's writing. He's writing two decades before the Zionist Conference Congress, and he just looking at the prophecies of Ezekiel. He said, well, that, it seems to me from this that when God restores the Jewish people to the land, there's going to be a preliminary organization. That's the bones. There's going to be first as the bones and the sinew, but the thing is not alive yet. So there's going to be a preliminary organization. It's going to be in various stages. And, and he did not know. Well, he knew. He knew prophetically. He knew that God was going to do it eventually. But he did not know that God was going to do it within two decades after he after he recognized this pattern as Ezekiel. So we have to remember that the founding of the modern state of Israel is miraculous. It was totally unexpected. 
1948, when Israel was founded, the National, Con uh, the National uh, uh, World, World Con Conference of Churches um, um, had been founded about seven months before Israel became a state. And the, the, the World Council of Churches, the World Council of Churches, and they just didn't know, not know what to do with the Jews. When the Jews showed up with a nation again, they were confused because their theology had written it off, but not Samuel Henry Kellogg, because he was one of those Bible scholars that didn't write Israel out of the story, and he recognized what was going to happen, and he was 100% right. So there's one more application of this passage that I want us to look at that pertains to our situation right now. Okay, I, since, I, uh, since I called on you, Elijah, I don't want to neglect your sister because, you know, uh, I don't want to cause problems in the house. So Talia, would you read uh, here under Growing and Knowing God this week? Thank you, if you're there. Is there a Talia? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, great. This week's Haftorah, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, likens Israel in exile to a valley of dry bones. With the hand of Adonai upon me, Adonai carried me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He had me pass by all around them. There were so many bones lying in the valley, and they were so dry. He asked me, human being, can these bones live? I answered, Adonai Elohim, only you know that. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones, say to them, dry bones, hear what Adonai has to say. To these bones, Adonai Elohim says, I will make breath enter you and you will live. I will attach ligaments to you, make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you. You will live and you will know that I am Adonai. Throughout this book, the prophet uh, Abli, Abli. Abli, Abli makes the case that Israel is in exile because of their sins and that their being in exile is a disgrace that God wishes to reverse. For this to happen, three factors are named. Israel needs to repent, the prophet needs to speak to the dry bones, and the spirit of God needs to animate them and reverse the situation. I want, I want to think for a moment about that. Israel needs to repent. And it's interesting that it's, and it's something that I don't pretend to truly fathom. God tells the prophet to speak to the bones. Now, God could have animated these bones all by himself, but he calls the prophet to speak to the bones. And finally, the Spirit of God must enter and animate them and reverse the situation. So this brings me to some final considerations for us right here. And here it is. As we experience our own exile from each other and from normal life in this pandemic, I want you to consider three questions and make these a matter for prayer. First question, for what ought we to be repenting as the people of God and as a nation? 
uh, we can't say that God has brought this on us. We can't say that God has not. We can say that God wants us to learn from our calamities. When uh, the beloved disciple at the Last Supper, uh, when Yeshua says, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, the beloved disciple says, Lord, is it I? Uh, and when calamity strikes us, we need to ask as a people, Lord, is it us? Is there something you want to say to us through this? So the issue then is number one, for what ought we as a people and as a nation to be repenting? We need to make that a matter of prayer. As I tell people nowadays, don't waste your calamities. They are situations where God speaks to us. He gets our attention. If the Bible means anything at all, uh, repeatedly, repeatedly, uh, when God wants to get Israel's attention, he lets things go bad. So we need to ask, God, what should we be repenting of? Number two, what do we need to say to bring us to a better place? The prophet had to speak to the bones. What do we need to articulate? What do we need to say? Some of that will be repentance. Some of that may be in our nation, the two political parties, maybe the two political parties need to make some kind of peace with one another instead of this horrific warfare that we see. I don't know. I have a question, I don't have answers. But what needs to be said to bring us to a better place? What do we need to say about the situation that God wants us to say? Maybe he wants us to say, we deserve this. Maybe he wants us to say, we grew too complacent, feeling that life, we had life, uh, we had a good economy, we had good industry, we got no problems. Maybe he wants to say, we were wrong. We were foolish. We were presumptuous. I don't know. But that's our second question. What does God want us to say, to speak about, and to our dead situation? And the third question is rather obvious, but it needs to be said, what are we to be praying that God would do and to reverse our plight? He needed to speak. He needed to infuse those dry bones with his spirit. It was not enough that the prophet spoke to it. It would not even be enough that Israel repented. God needed to bring life to the situation. So as a nation, as a congregation, as people of concern, as servants of God, what are we to be praying that God would do to reverse our plight? That's what I have to share with you today. And uh, 